Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org. Hebrews 11, verses 32 through 40. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release, so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, we've been learning about faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen, right? That's from the beginning of chapter 11. And as we come to this passage... I'm reminded of a story of a great saint of old. Her name is Perpetua. If you don't know her, she lived around 200 AD. Perpetua was a mom. At the time of this account, she was nursing. And so she was probably a younger mom, had a child, and was faced with the challenge of denying Christ and worshiping idols. So she was asked to make sacrifices to idols. And so she said no. So they took her baby away from her and put her in prison. And her dad even went to her and appealed to her with her child, said, would you please just make the sacrifice? It'll save your life and even save your baby's life. And she wouldn't do it. So she and some of her friends were sentenced to be killed by being put in a probably a Colosseum-type place and have wild animals just set loose. The men were going to be uh, in the, the, the Colosseum and lions set loose on them. The women were going to have bulls set loose on them. And when the bull was set loose, it actually threw Perpetua, but she didn't actually have serious injury from it. She falls, and then she goes and tries to help one of her friends who was seriously injured, and they're in the face of this bull who you would think would charge them, and the bull doesn't. Of course, that makes the, their accusers angry, and they remove them, they throw them back in prison, and quickly, not long after that, bring them back out, and they send the gladiators in. Quickly, her friends die. But the gladiator they sent to kill Perpetua was young and inexperienced and was afraid. He was so afraid, he was shaking when he was holding the sword and he wasn't even uh, inflicting upon Perpetua wounds that would seriously injure her. 
So out of compassion, Perpetua grabs his sword, places it on a spot on her body that she knew would be lethal to her so that he could do his job and she could honor her God. We hear stories like that and think, these saints of old who endured hardship and struggle and yet they had faith toward God, they must be in some different category than us. They're special, they have superpowers to do this and we don't have it. But as we come to our text, the writer of Hebrews is, is outlining various saints who endured hardship, but they're remembered for their faith so that the hearers of that would be bolstered in their faith. Everyday Christians who were going to be facing hardship had faced some hardship in the past, and they were going to be facing kind of the initial persecution of the church. And so we too can be encouraged and see triumph over our struggles and victories over our struggles by having faith in the unseen God. So we're gonna look at two more facets of faith as we look at our text this morning. The first one we're gonna look at this morning is faith empowers for triumph over obstacles. Faith empowers for triumph over obstacles. We face many obstacles. Obviously, Perpetual was facing death. But before we get into looking at these individuals, because if we, if we see the list, starting in verse 32, and, and what more shall I say for the time would fail to tell of Gideon, Barak, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. So the writer, like, he's not even going through the exhaustive list. He's just throwing out things. And we can see those names, and immediately we remember some of the stories about them, and we're like, yeah, these are special individuals. But before we jump into learning how they had faith and what God did, I think it's helpful to note that they weren't flawless. Faith does not mean that we are flawless. It doesn't mean that we're flawless. Let's just look at the list. First off was Gideon in the list. He demands signs from God because he initially doesn't have faith to do what God's called him to do. Remember the fleece? We all talk about the fleece as an illustration. Am I gonna put out the fleece to know what God's saying? He displayed lack of trust in God and he also led Israel into sin at one point. Samson in the list was sexually promiscuous and he broke the covenant with God. Jephthah vowed uh, to, to make a sacrifice. God, if you give me the victory, I will kill the next person that comes through the door, basically. And the next person who comes through the door is his daughter. David, who had great victory for sure, but he committed adultery and then, and then schemed to, to have the, the woman he committed adultery with to have her husband murdered. Okay, so as we look at this list, Let's not see a list of perfect people that are there's some, some way unique and different from us. They, they weren't flawless. John Calvin said this about that. He says this about the saints. He says, in every saint, there's always to be found something reprehensible. There's, there is a reality. We obviously need Christ. We're not perfect. But nevertheless, although faith may be imperfect and incomplete, it does not cease to be approved by God. There's no reason, therefore, why the fault from which we labor should break us or discourage us, provided we go on by faith 
in the race of our calling. So even though you may have weaknesses and struggles, God's still gonna use you. God's still gonna be pleased with the faith that you have towards him. Though they sinned, their lives are not remembered primarily for that. Their lives here in Hebrews are remembered for their faith in God. And that faith that they had empowered them to victory. Look at verse 33. So after naming all these people, this is the things that were accomplished from them. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, I mean, from Gideon to David, they faced overwhelming odds at a time when faith was scarce. These these individuals were often in the minority. I mean, think about Gideon, what happened to him in his victory over the Midianites. He's asked to take his army of 32,000 against a massive army. And he's faced to to trim it down to 10,000 and then trim it down again to 300. That seems to go against every military school that you would know of. Like, we don't, we don't trim the numbers down. But that's what he did. And his men were armed with what? Trumpets. And these, this fire and pots over the top of them so that when it was time, they blew the trumpets, broke the pots, they had the, these torches, and obviously God made the enemy go nuts, and they had victory. Small army. Faith toward God accomplished something they couldn't otherwise do. Barak, he led uh, the, the United Tribes in their victory against Sisera and the mighty Canaanite army. Jephthah, even though he sinned against the Lord, he, he led the nation of Israel in battle and victory against the Ammonites. And certainly we know from David, he, he conquered Goliath and led the nation in many victories. So faith does empower us to victory. Many of you have seen God's promises fulfilled. They saw God make a promise to them, saw it fulfilled in that time. So we need to be reminded of not just their times, we need to be reminded of the times when God did stuff in our lives that we couldn't otherwise do. Because if we pay attention to our story, not just paying attention to their stories, but paying attention to our stories, we see that faith results in seeing God work. So it wasn't just them taking that step of faith. As they took that step of faith, God worked. There's absolutely no way a guy leads an army of 300 men against a huge, massive army and wins without God. There's no way, I mean, as the, as the verse goes on, at the end of verse 33, it says, stop the mouths of lions. I mean, how does a guy like Samson use his bare hands and take, take charge of a lion and rips it apart? Or David grabs a sheep-stealing lion by the beard and thrusts it through. Daniel refuses the king's edict and he's thrown in the lion's den. And it wasn't by his might that the lions were defeated. No, God shuts the mouths of the lions in his situation. So stopping the mouths of lions, faith results in seeing God work. It goes on, look at verse 34. Quench the power of fire. Obviously, immediately you think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
they're like, we're not going to bow down to the statue of the king. They said in Daniel 3, it says, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Remember what happened. They're thrown into the fiery furnace. Even the cords that are tying them are burnt off and they're saved and when they come out, they don't even smell like smoke. They trusted God. Didn't know how it was gonna turn out. They didn't know how it was gonna turn out. How many times are you faced with realities of, of something that you're, you're walking through, a trial that you're walking through, something that's come up out of the blue? You don't know how it's going to turn out, just like they didn't know how it was gonna turn out. But God delivered them through the fire just like God would deliver you through the fire. They escaped the edge of the sword, it says. David beat Goliath on the battlefield. They made strong, they made those who were strong out of weakness. Samson was just a guy, but when the Spirit of God came upon him, he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey. And then as it goes into the next verse, it says, Women receive back their dead by resurrection. We know the story of Elijah who stretched himself out three times over the, the dead son of a widow, and then he brings that son. God delights in bringing about mighty triumphs through people of faith. And by faith, God's people can do things that they couldn't otherwise do without God. This is you. Now, if we were to stop right there, it could almost feel like, okay, this is saying, if I have enough faith, I'm going to always win. If I have enough faith, I'm going to have lots of money. If I have enough faith, I'm going to be healed. If I have enough faith, my children will be saved. If I have enough faith, all my relationships will get reconciled. That's not what's being communicated here. Because as we go on, the next few verses really refute that kind of thinking as we're going to study. Seeing God work in amazing ways doesn't mean that we never doubt. It doesn't mean that we never struggle. And think about David. He had, to, he had to run from his enemies. Though he had great victory, there were times in his life where he's just constantly on the run. Samson got his eyes plucked out. And, and Jephthah, though he experienced victory, had to have great mourning over the loss of of his child because of his foolishness. Listen, our life isn't about, about seeing everything, everything made right in this life. But yet, even though we may face trial and struggle, we can believe in the unseen God and see victory happen in our lives. You need to not look further than this chapter. We have an entire chapter that we've been studying. Whole, keep this chapter close when you get discouraged and be reminded they were normal people just like you, just like me. If you prick them, they bled. If they had trial, they experienced discouragement. But what they were remembered by is they trusted 
in the unseen God. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. That's how we overcome obstacles. That's how we overcome when we find that we're weak in strength in certain circumstances, to overcome tragedies. Because faith empowers us to persevere. That's the second facet that we're going to see this morning. Faith empowers us to persevere. As we believe in the unseen God, as we believe in his son Jesus, we can persevere. Now, perseverance sounds great. I want to persevere, but here's the reality. Perseverance only comes when you experience hardship and trial. If you're describing someone who has a completely pain-free, easy life, you would not use the word perseverance to describe their life. Perseverance, endurance comes because hardship is faced. There's no easy button in the Christian life. There isn't one. Because faith, faith empowers us to persevere as persecution comes. And the author here really points out for us and helps us to see that persecution has come and what happens to those who endure persecution. So look at verse 35. In the second half, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release. The some authors say this is referring to some Maccabean Christians who were stretched out and beaten. There's one story of a 90-year-old priest who endured torture and refused to accept release because he didn't want to recant his faith in the Lord Jesus. There were seven brothers who were gruesomely tortured. I won't go into the details but one was cooked over flames. Each one of them could have been released if they'd have simply compromised their faith. But they endured because they had the hope of the resurrection. And this kind of sacrifice is truly incomprehensible to those who don't know God. It truly is. But for them, through the eyes of faith, the decision made sense. For them, they, they, they practically understood to live is Christ and to die is gain. They looked beyond to the heavenly city. And they said, look, look what we will gain. And they endured. They endured suffering for eternal glory. Friends, this is no longer just a reality of ages past. We have brothers and sisters in Christ right now in the Middle East that are having to make these choices, many of whom you're not going to hear about in the popular news outlets. We have friends in the East, brothers and sisters in Christ, that are experiencing these kinds of decisions that they're having to make, losing children, losing jobs, facing death, being spied upon, being hunted down. 
But why are they enduring? They're enduring with joy because they see the opportunity that they have to proclaim Christ, even though their time is short. They're, they're very aware time is this short. So we better be about what Jesus wants us to do. Faith empowers, the pers- faith empowers us for perseverance in persecution. We might not be experiencing it right now, but we can, and there will be grace for that when that comes. Or if we face death, faith empowers us to persevere in death. Look at verse 37. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. When you're hearing about being stoned, that, that was pretty common. You get an angry mob together, stones were fairly prevalent, and you just throw enough at somebody and they die. You think about Stephen, who even as he was being stoned said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As he followed the Savior's example. Sawn in two. There's no record, biblical record, but there in, in church history, there's, there's the the kind of the acceptance that the prophet Isaiah was sawn into by false prophets of Manasseh. When, when stood by laughing and rejoicing as they did it, he neither cried nor wept, but his lips spoke with the Holy Spirit until he was sawn in two. Their faith in God takes us to a place or even in the face of horrible death. And I know some can, can experience fear when you think about persecution. You can fear, maybe when you read Revelation for the first time, you were freaked out, like, what? what's going on? I, I don't know any Christian who reads the book of Revelation for the first time and doesn't feel freaked out, like, what's going to happen there? But there is grace for that, because we have an unseen God who is faithful, that we've seen be faithful And we've seen be faithful in great saints of old. That's why it's helpful to not only study the book of Hebrews, it's helpful to read books as like the Fox's Book of Martyrs and about other martyrs and great saints of the faith because it stirs us up to know that our God is the same God as their God. The God that we believe in is the same God that that they believed in. The grace that they received is the grace that we will receive and can receive right now. So faith empowers us to persevere even in death. Justin Martyr, who was an early church father, echoed this kind of faith when beholding the very place where he and his congregation would be martyred. Justin said, remember, brothers and sisters, they can kill us, but they can't hurt us. That's what he told his congregation. They can kill us, but they can't hurt us. Just remember that, saints. We may not be called to die in the same manner that these saints were. There will be times when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit and see advance or victory in our life, or at least perceive victory by the world, where we don't die. But then there will be times where we may be called to lay our lives down for the sake of Christ. But God will be present in that moment. There will be grace to persevere. It's faith empowers for perseverance in great affliction. As the verse goes on, they will be killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. 
So even though the world kind of looks, flips the other side, these people aren't worthy, we're gonna persecute them. But the reality is, is the world's not worthy of these saints who trusted in the unseen God. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and in caves on the earth. Friends, this is sobering. We must not succumb to the delusion that gentle rain and sunshine will always fall upon the church in America. It's it's a sobering reality. Right now, it is. Yes, we may be experiencing different hardships and Maybe it's not the best political climate for this thing or for that thing. But let's let's not succumb to that delusion. Jesus promised that, that we would experience trial and suffering because he experienced trial and suffering. He said the world's gonna hate you just like it hated me. But we don't need to let that discourage us. We don't need to let that cause us to lose heart in any way. Because Even now, while we're not experiencing persecution, we can be grateful for that. We can thank God that he has us in a place right now where we're not experiencing that. But we do face difficulty. And the applications of the truths from this passage don't just come to us in a time where we might be facing death. It can meet you in the face of trial of a difficult decision or difficult news from a doctor. It could come from discouragement as you're interacting with other saints. It could come with trial that you're experiencing at work or school. We must trust in the faithful, unseen God. Because people's words can feel like swords to us at times. Our circumstances make us feel afflicted. We may be called to sacrifice for the sake of others, to lay our lives down for the sake of others. Maybe not in the sense where we physically die, but we may give up our, our rights. We may give up our, our, some of our pleasures. I mean, I think, <laughs> think about it. If you look back in Hebrews to the saints in verse 34 of chapter 10, the author points out, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So in that situation, they weren't facing death, but they were facing losing all of their stuff. I know I can be tempted. You think about, like, your income is going to change if you make one decision or another. No, you, you don't have to trust in the income stream that you have. You have a, a God who has a cattle on a thousand hills. He can provide anything, any means that is needed for you. When we face opposition, our faith, our goal is not simply how can I just get through this, but rather how can I give God glory? Not just how is God using it, but to see God in it. So some application points as we come to the end of this chapter that we have learned so much about faith. What matters most is not the circumstances we find ourselves, but our faith in God. It's not about our circumstances, it's about our faith in God, because God's gonna call different people to different 
things, different trials. Some are going to go through, others are going to go through different ones. We can't sit in our seat and look over there and go, well, they've got it really easy. No, that's not true. You just don't know the whole story. Christian faith doesn't guarantee comforts or rights. God delivers some from trouble, and God delivers some of us into trouble. So it's not about our circumstances. We're not trying to put ourselves in a particular circumstance. This particular circumstance isn't more spiritual than this circumstance over here. What's most important is our faith in God. And that faith is going to be sufficient while we wait on God's promises. I mean, even these saints, look at verses 39 and 40. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. What is that saying there? Well, they experienced certainly God making a promise to them, calling them to do something, and meeting them. But they still didn't get to see the greatest promise that God made that would be fulfilled, and that's the coming of his son, Jesus, that would that would make everything right, that would make it possible to have right relationship with God, that would open for us the door for us to spend eternity in God's presence. They didn't get to see that. We have gotten to see that. We're on this side of the cross. So they were still yet waiting another promise. Even though God did fulfill some promises that he made, they were still awaiting another promise. We're still waiting another promise. Even though we've seen Christ come, we're still longing. We're still waiting. I know you all feel it. The, the pangs of the trials of this life seem to come wave after wave after wave. But we're still waiting. We're still waiting for Jesus to return. And trusting in God is sufficient because his promises are sure. He delivers on them every single time. That's why while we're waiting, we can, we can say like Jim Elliott, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that faith is essential in times of trial. Jonathan Edwards said, the divine excellency of real Christianity is never exhibited with such advantage as when under the greatest trials. Then it is that true faith appears much more precious than gold. You want to shore up your understanding of who God is and his faithfulness now so that when trials come, you're like, yeah, this is true about him. You want to hold this close. I know even as I went through this this week, faced with some difficulties of, uh, uh, of decisions, things that I'm having to deal with, and I'm tempted to be discouraged. Oh, wait a minute. I've got a reminder right here in front of me that God met his people time and again. So have his word close by because it's going to be essential in times of trial. And in the end, what matters most is our faith. It's that we believe. Remember, each of these saints that we talked about, they had struggle. They had trial. They made mistakes Richard Phillips said, some were Jews, others were not. Some were rich, others were poor. Some were men, some were women. Some were loved, some were hated. Some were successful, some were not. 
what is it then that puts their names on this blessed list of God's beloved? It is only one thing. That's faith. And ultimately, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you for your sins, the Bible promises that you will be saved. And you are in the same place. You receive the same blessings. You receive the same privileges of being in the family of God as the great saints of old that endured great suffering and accomplished great victories for God. You receive the same place as that person in your life or persons in your life that you look up to. You're like, wow, they're so godly. They've done all these great things. They must be special before God. You're special before your God simply because you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and you are found in his family. We all experience the same, the same blessing because we have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what matters most is our faith. And if you've not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you to consider the claims of Christ, to consider who Jesus is, to read this chapter 11 and go, how in the world would they do all those crazy things? Ultimately, because they were looking to a God who was not seen. And then once Jesus came, as we learn about in the book of Acts and all the trials that they went through, and as we read through church history, how did they endure because they trusted in a God who you can't see, who's preparing a place that's beyond comprehension. My prayer is that we as a church would press into Christ. That we would have the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not yet seen. It's my experience that those who endure some of the greatest trials in the Christian faith, those who walk through it with grace, those who have the courage to take the sword and put it in the place that will cause their imminent death, it didn't come because they had some special gift. It came because they spent time with Jesus. They were abiding in him. And through that time, they were aware there is a greater place awaiting us. And this world is passing away. And they could live out to live as Christ and to die as gain. And my prayer is that we as a church would abide in Christ. I don't know what's going to come around the corner. I know things don't look awesome, but I don't know what's going to come. I don't want to be doom and gloom. But we don't ever have to be doom and gloom, no matter what comes, no matter what you're facing right now. You can experience the pleasure of God as we have the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. Let's pray. Father, Father, I'm aware as we come to the end of this chapter, it's going to be easy for us to think that we are different than the saints that are described. 
Lord, I confess I can have the tendency to want to disassociate myself with the parts of the story in which the saints have failed, and I want to identify myself with the parts of the story in which they seem to succeed, but I find I fail in both. So I want to pray for us. I want to pray that we would identify ourselves in the same way with, with the saints of old, with the failings that they have, and if you bring conviction, that we would repent and know that our sins are forgiven as we come. But also, Lord, when we're discouraged, when we think we can't have faith because the trials of this world seem so weighty, Lord, would you turn our eyes upon Jesus, that we would look full at his wonderful face and let the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Remind us, Lord, remind us right now this morning that we aren't alone. In the midst of this, we aren't alone. You didn't leave the saints of old as you met them, as you delivered them. You didn't meet the saints of the last 2,000 years and you, you, you didn't leave them and you haven't left us. Lord, may we hold on to that. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Lakeshore Sermon Podcast. Harvest Lakeshore exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. For more information about us, visit harvestlakeshore.org.